0: <laughs> okay, one more time. All right. I'm April Margulies. And
1: I'm Christopher Tompkins.
0: And you're on the line with the Cluster.
1: Welcome. Ready for some real talk on strategic communication?
0: You're the right place. Let's dive in. To point and counterpoint. Okay. So in this segment, Chris and I will agree to disagree and then we'll tell you why.
1: Yeah. And obviously you will all agree with me. So here's (laughs) our topic for the week. Starting a campaign early versus waiting to execute it. And by execute, we don't mean murdering it. (laughs) I use that. I use that. I was talking to somebody. I was doing a mentoring call and I said, execute like 10 times. And one of my account managers said, you know what? Maybe we should dial back the execution line on these calls. Just with a, just with a startup, it could be a it can be a little daunting to constantly talk about death. But so, starting a campaign early versus waiting. What do you think?
0: I think starting early from a PR perspective is definitely better than waiting. In large part because trying to get to the starting line for most brands takes some time.
1: Yeah, true.
0: So they say, okay, I want to start doing PR and they think that they're ready for PR. And then when they get into doing PR, everybody realizes we're not quite there yet because they don't Mm. quite know what their key differentiators are in some cases, or they don't have their messaging fully ironed out. And so it's the kind of thing where if you don't get those things ironed out at the very beginning, then all of a sudden you draft a press release and the client's like, oh my God, I don't like how we're (laughs) talking about ourselves nothing sounds interesting. There's nothing of note here. And you've taken everything from their website copy. But in the context of a website, it looks really sexy and exciting because there's graphics and images and colors and fonts. And then suddenly you strip it down into a media format. You come to find out that there's not enough substance there. And with PR, It's not like you pitch an article and it appears the next day. So it can take a very long time for some of that effort Mm. to actually come to fruition. And there's usually a kind of ramp up period where things are getting seeded and then eventually they all start to blossom, but it takes some time. So I would always opt for earlier than later. There are certain cases where I would advise against it. If your website's not done, Mm. you know, or your assets are not in place or they don't have budgets to sustain PR and they need PR to be a lead gen thing. Mm, but yeah. generally speaking, I would say sooner.
1: My only counterpoint to the PR piece of that is that if your house is on fire, you need positive PR to get in front of it immediately. So I think some people that are going through something tough and it's starting to publicly be circulated. And I would say that that's when I would be like, get off your ass and do something about it. I've seen this happen before. And it's like, oh my God, your house is on fire. Like you got to move. Do you not see this? Like, I really saw it during COVID because we work with some healthcare clients, but we were seeing the industry as a whole. And I was looking at nightmares in assisted living facilities because they were hit really hard. And I was looking at these different locations and stuff and nobody was putting out any PR. No one was doing any media relations. And it's like, you're not doing anything. You need to be doing something right now. Now, if you're looking at social, give me some go-go juice and dance, baby, because I can go at any time. And (laughs) it's honestly the truth. Slam four Red Bulls, drink a pot of coffee and that's social media because it can be as proactive as it can be reactive. I think if you're a startup, you need to think about who you are before you do any marketing. Anybody that's listening to this, wherever you are in your journey, You've already thought about these things. And obviously when you start marketing, some other questions will come up. And with my world, I give the client everything that they want from other marketing elements that are long tail. So I can show you a storyline. I can show you an editorial calendar. I can show you everything within weeks. And then we're immediately on there and your audience is growing and there's numbers and there's there's ticks and there's this and there's that. There's a lot of pizzazz to it. Mm And if you're using advertising as well as part of the strategy, you can move pretty quickly. Now, I like when people come to us and say, okay, I want a strategy. But at the same time, they're also, on the other side of their mouth, they're saying, we're launching in 30 days. So that's when they come to me. They come to me when they're ready to go. So,
0: mm-hmm. so are we aggressively agreeing with each other then that it's always better to start sooner than later? Well, in your case, it's like start now because we can do things now in my case like start now because it takes a while
1: yeah i think we are agreeing with each other i think also with (laughs) but if you haven't done it and you're like late to the game i can catch you up is it better and an ideal scenario for them to act ahead yeah but if they're already like six months into a marketing campaign they're just like yeah we should probably do social i catch up
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: what i mean there's there's ways around it but but yeah Red Bull's great. I, I don't drink <laughs> it at all, actually. This one, Red Bull, is like bad news.
0: Oh, man. No. In my party days when I was younger, I would actually drink a Red Bull in the shower while I was getting ready for work.
1: A Red Bull in the shower.
0: <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these
1: are these deep thoughts that we, we really wanted to dig up on this show, folks. So if you're, <laughs>
0: It's like a train wreck happening in New York City. For the record, I'm grown up now. So.
1: Well done, you.
0: Oh, boy. I thought you would think that's funny.
1: Uh, That's that's hilarious. So, cash or trash?
0: Let's do it. So, the first one is from a Forbes article. Mm -hmm. And it's, yellow is the new blue as Tiffany & Co. debuts new color scheme under the LVMH marketing plan. Okay. So, this apparently started out as an April Fool's joke. There was a post on the official Instagram for Tiffany & Co., Yeah, announcing Tiffany's new, quote, house color. And it was hashtag Tiffany yellow. It took the internet by storm, garnering nearly 500,000 likes. Of course, it had to be a joke since nobody would dare touch the official trademarked robin's egg Tiffany blue color. Mm -hmm. So then it turns out, however, that Tiffany yellow is indeed a new house color for the pop-up installation at its Beverly Hills store on Rodeo Drive. Mm -hmm. So do you think this was actually a joke? Or do you think that it started as a joke and turned into something real? Or do you think they wanted it to sound like a joke so they could get a bunch of social buzz and then actually turn it into something real? Hmm. What's your conspiracy theory on this one, Chris?
1: Of course they did it for attention. But, well, you know what? I think it's really insensitive because of the China element of this. It is regarded as a negative color when i was in china like it was something that i was told before going it was trying like no don't wear lots of yellow clothing it's it's not like forbidden it's just trying to be sensitive so if it is a social media kind of deal it's a bad move i don't mind them adding like a sub color to their palette because their palette is iconic but it does seem dated i don't know i feel like i'm almost open to the idea of them doing this a little bit, but I don't know. I kind of like the idea of it, but I still feel like it's insensitive.
0: <laughs> okay. So cash or trash.
1: I'm still going to trash it. Um, <laughs> I'm still going to trash it uh, because it was very unclear. It was a very unclear launch. And I think that that made it a little bit suspect. And I think that insensitive angles kind of trash it for me. Mm-hmm. If it was done properly, I think it could have been a very cool idea. Because here's the deal, the people that are really, really into Tiffany's, if this was a limited edition color, they would all go for the bags, they would all shop, they would all go to these stores, and it would be high traffic. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm a purist. But it's not as iconic as someone opening a gift and seeing the blue box and the ribbon, you know?
0: Also, why not Tiffany Gold, if you're going to go in that direction?
1: hmm Yeah. Well, I think Yellow is younger
0: is there another color name that they could have used that indicates yellow that wouldn't be yellow?
1: Tiffany, Tiffany John does?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Sunshine.
1: <laughs> Tiffany <To eat> Fever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> Tiffany Vomit. <laughs> Hashtag <drink>. Tiffany Mustard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Dijon. <laughs> Tiffany i mean delicious flavors of tiffany (laughs) oh my god and i'm not gonna make a joke about eating a tiffany box so let's what did you (laughs) You after trash this one
0: i go with trash too because i feel like i don't like that it was sort of done as an april fool's joke and then turned into something real if that's really what happened Mm -hmm. it feels like i don't know maybe i got sour on april fool's day after what happened with volkswagen and Volkswagen.
1: <laughs> That's what I was saying with this. Like, it's just kind of ham-fisted.
0: Yeah, it's a little rough.
1: But, and also, I hate April Fool's stuff. Because in marketing school, like, they always teach, okay, well, remember, tie in your messaging around special important days. And on April 1st, be disruptive. <laughs> like, no, right. why don't you don't? Why don't you just, like, give it to charity or something? <laughs> Shut up.
0: Yeah, it's a little overdone.
1: Mm, agreed.
0: Speaking of which, how do you feel about Gay Pride Month? Do you feel like it's still authentically used by brand marketers? Or do you think that it's being sort of like taken advantage of?
1: Oh, it's taken advantage of. But I mean, come on, throw on a flag on anything. You can make a ton of money. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Literally, when I lived in London, anytime someone would pander to the gay community, like maybe there was like a singer... And it would be like, there was a rumor he was out with a guy or something, or he was in a club, a gay club or something. Basically that singer was trying to get their single on the top 10 because the buying power of the gay community is so strong Mm -hmm. because they don't have, at the time, there wasn't a lot of dependence. So it was called the pink pound and it was the power of the pink pound that you wanted to get. I still firmly believe that. Now we don't have as much because there's families now there's kids and everything but there's two camps on this there's well there's three actually there's the whatever i'm in the whatever make money do whatever you gotta do i don't care then there's the people that are like this is so wrong like safeway it's like right rainbow flag yeah john deere rainbow flag
0: right like that brand doesn't seem synonymous with what
1: And then there are the aficionados of gay, and they love it. They want everything rainbow. That's what they like to see. They like the flag. They like the culture. Breaking (laughs) news, all listeners, I do not like rainbows. If anybody ever bought me anything rainbow, I would throw it at their face. I do not (laughs) like rainbows. I just don't, I don't like them. So that means I'm going to get lots of rainbows in the mail. But like this year was really aggressively over rainbowed. Did you did you notice it more this year?
0: I noticed it for the first time last year or the last year before. Maybe mm. the year before. But yeah, I started to get tired of all the email marketing and the everywhere I look, it was just like, is this actually supportive or is this just exploitive?
1: Yeah. I mean, when did my lanta become my ally? <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? It's got yeah. it's so Yeah. So funny. Yeah, okay, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not super keen on it.
0: Okay, I had a feeling you would not be. So our <laughs> second cash or, cash or trash is about this PR campaign for pet policies that's kicking off in Australia. Is that how you would pronounce that? pet Paternity. Paternity. Paternity.
1: <laughs> but, it, but they put a the dash in there so you really have to say, <laughs> wink,
0: wink, okay, so the idea is that pet parents <laughs> In Australia are demanding more flexibility and time to care for their fur babies. And there's a new campaign by 11 that focuses on this. Apparently, so 11PR launched an online retail startup, Pet Culture, by campaigning for pet earnity policies to be implemented in the workplace and it's all tied to this brand motto that pets are people too so on top of that almost one-third of pet owners in australia say a lack of pet-friendly workplace policies is outdated and archaic and needs to be changed uh, i think they have a lot of time on their hands
1: yeah i think so too i would like put this in a dumpster and set it on fire this is still <laughs> trash. number one the name is trash Because they're trying to do like a play, obviously on paternity, and that's like Maury's territory. (laughs) You are the father, and then it's like, oh no, no, no! It's it's like being sensitive with people with pets, um, and stuff.
0: What I don't understand is what employers are not cool if you have an emergency vet appointment or you want to. A lot of places in the U.S. you can bring your pet to work, and now a lot of people are working from home, and so you're with your pet all day. I mean,
1: I would say that this. This smack of more blue collar workers, like people that have shift work, like people that are working in like grocery stores where they're managing restaurants. I can see like, that. Like, I mean, there's tons of places where you can't have it. So I think that that might be where it is, not like professional offices, because I think a lot of those are getting a little bit. I mean, I am. I have a dog, so that's kind of how it goes. But if someone brought this up and was passionate about it, I don't know if I would want to talk to them again. Like, oh, this is the hill you're going to die on? Okay. Right. Ooh, I mean, I'm, bro.
0: I'm not going to join that one.
1: Yeah, that's not clutch.
0: So I would definitely say trash.
1: Oh, yeah, this, this is worse than Tiffany's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, shall we move on then?
1: Oh, yeah, we shall move. We, we, we
0: shall move. We shall move. So moving on to our startup feature of the day. The spotlight of this week is somebody you brought to the table. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: Immersion Neuro is our spotlight of the week. Now, yeah. you know when you're looking at a prospective client or if someone's asking you their opinion on a company, like, what do you think about these guys? And you look at that and you're like, oh, uh, uh, I don't know what that is. And that's kind of how I felt with them. And then I spoke to one of the founders. And I was immediately so amazed at what they did done and developed this technology over it was about 12 or 15 years. Basically it all boils down to this. It's an app for your Apple watch. And what it does is it monitors all of your impulses and your reactions to everything during whatever time that you want to have it monitored. And then it will then take those, those neurological impulses and turn them into data points that are reaction points. To whatever you were watching, what you were listening to, where you were walking around at the time, it immediately gives whoever is running that program all of the data in in real time.
0: So, what kind of data we're we talking about? Like whoop strap data, or like beyond that?
1: Kind of like happy, sad, disgusted, like lots and lots of different things.
0: It's more about like your neurological well being. No, it's it's
1: settled directly Mm -hmm. in our world. We want to know what people like to watch, what people like to read, what people like to hear. For example, what you would do is if you have a television pilot and you're doing your focus group. Uh, Oh, I
0: got it. I got it. Everyone
1: has it on their watch because that is the real reaction. What they write can be very, very different. So what they've done is they can produce results with such accuracy where they can show you how to retool songs so that they chart higher, how to retool pilots so that they run better, what parts of a movie need to be cut, like lots of things that are really useful. Cool. But also what's really neat, I could talk about this one forever. They gave me the example of going to a theme park. And literally, if you turn the GPS on, You could show you where in the theme park you are during the entire day and what delighted them the most and what didn't delight them and where they were frustrated and when they were tired. So for example, if you're there with your kids, you know, usually around three o'clock or four o'clock, you need a drink of wine, some alcoholic beverage, you're ready to kill them. They're all sweaty. Everyone stinks. By knowing that data, I do a parade right then so all the parents can stop and chill for a little while or something else. I would love to do this. If we had things for our clients to review, because sometimes they say, yes, I love it. I love it. But you don't really know how they truly feel about it. I think that would be really interesting. Also, when our clients are telling a story, we're doing TikTok videos. We could do that with TikTok videos to see how people react to them. I just think it's a really interesting way to get more meaningful data, because that's what I always struggle to get. Mm -hmm. because unless you have a huge budget for running focus groups and mining data and buying all of this stuff, there's a lot of guesstimations that you're going to have to make. And this really does feel like it gives you something that's meaningful.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I wouldn't even mind having it to monitor how well I'm being Zen about things, right? Because I'm somebody who's sort of working on herself spiritually, right? So I'm like worried about, okay, am I Responding to this with anger or with upset or fear or whatever, right? These are the kinds of things that I would like to not react with on a personal level. I wouldn't even mind just being able to go, okay, well, I did really well until four when I had that call with the client. And then, you know what I mean? But who is the target audience? I assume it's not me. I assume it's more like people that are doing market research or?
1: No, it's actually a really, really broad stroke because this could also be used by companies like us. Not for our clients, but for our actual team. Mm. Like we could see how our team, literally, we could have a brainstorming meeting. And if I had my whole team hooked up to that, I could really see who was engaged, who was bored, who was – and not in a way that I'm like, oh, you're fired because your impulses were wrong.
0: It (laughs) it would be interesting to see
1: if someone is having a client call or a client presentation, like to do it on the person that's presenting to see – how they're dealing with, where were they feeling their most joy? Because if I knew something like that, and I knew when my employees were truly joyful, I would fill more of their days with that type of thing. But the saying is, I'm not a mind reader, and I'm not. I can only see what I can see and be as empathic as I can.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, How do they prevent this data from being given over to Big Brother? That's where I could see it being kind of creepy. I,
1: I know that they have Protection methods in place, as well as privacy policies and all of the security stuff
0: that's good and, and
1: oh my God, April this is like the best part about it it's really affordable because they want to get a lot of people in right now so they can get a lot of testers and a lot of people talking about it Wow, so they can kind of get the critical mass I want to do their
0: PR that sounds fun I love yeah. it I love it I love I love it I love so great
1: okay, so we are going to jump into A new segment we're calling Just the Tip. Hip? Hip? Startup
0: hip? Tip. Tip.
1: Tip. 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 tip, tip. Okay. I actually saw one, which is pretty relevant. A friend of mine, he has an agency that is out of Seattle, and he was dealing with a startup company that he was executing an SEO campaign with. They had their money for the campaign. The campaign was expensive. But my friend discounted it. I mean, immediately when he told me that, I was like, what's the first problem? Then he gave a timeline, like we all do, and presented the timeline, got agreement on the timeline. And then one day later, hey, can we get started on the rest of the stuff right now? And then every day, why aren't we getting started? We don't, we, we can get started on this SEO stuff. We can start link building immediately. Why, why, why do we need to do this research? We don't need to do this research. We need to. oof. So like completely fine. And then he said, they just kind of like went off the deep end. So what would you do? in that I'm like John Quinones now, like, what would you do if that happened to you? Like, have you had that happen before?
0: Well, not since we've had the point system in place.
1: So Mm. we have
0: this unique point system in place where you only get a certain number of points per month based on your budget, which prevents that because if they do that, then we say, Oh, hey, do you want to pay for more points or do you want to wait until next month? Right. Mm-hmm. So then it's on them to say, okay, yeah, I'll pay for everything in the kitchen sink all at once. Or, oh, well, maybe we'll wait till next month for those five things. So mm-hmm. we've safeguarded ourselves against that. But I did have that in the past.
1: And it's still hard, too. I think it's happened to me for sure. And it's kind of, you know, they're eager because they really want to get things done. And I will, acquiesce in some way, shape, or form and give them something because I can see that they're passionate and I don't want to reward bad behavior, but I think sometimes your passion in a startup can override your logic. I was like that when I was starting out, but if you're a jerk about it, and I've had people do that in the past, the far past, because I chose not to work with those types of people, but your team can really get upset about it. Mm -hmm. And this is like something for startups. If you are listening to this and you're kind of feeling like you want to move really quickly, you have to collaborate with your team. You can't push them. Because sometimes what happens is when you're being pushy and you're kind of barking, people start feeling like they're not doing something right. They're forgetting something. And you plant doubt in your team's mind that then renders them not ineffective, but not as effective mm-hmm. because I've seen that like we'll do a post-mortem after a client campaign is completed mm-hmm. and they move on or we part ways and I'll see that they were really upset by the client. And I didn't know right. that.
0: I've seen that too, where suddenly, you know, there was the pushing, 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 and everybody before that was really passionate about doing a good job, really like doing their best, putting their heart into it. And when that thing happens where that client seems ungrateful or there's like some sort of ingratitude that comes through, even if it's not their intention. I've also seen the team shut down. And then as an agency owner, it's very hard to get them to be motivated again without replacing them. And even with replacing them, you know, you have other problems. So I agree with that. And in general, yeah, you're hiring an agency, but they're an extension of your team. So is that really how you want to manage a person if you were to hire a person? Mm. Why would you abuse an agency if you wouldn't abuse an in-house person. Right. And then from a practical standpoint, I mean, the truth is I tell people we have the point system in place because it takes a certain amount of time to do every tactic well and do it professionally to the standard. I want to match because you're trying to do too many things and rather than doing any one thing, well, you're doing eight things kind of not Mm -hmm. well. And then everything starts to suffer. The results start to suffer. Then the quality suffers. So it doesn't actually serve them to do two things at once. For a certain amount of budget, because it either makes the team overwork or it just renders them less effective to your really point. from before.
1: Yeah. It's because
0: it, they're just trying to do too much.
1: It's a shame when it happens. I've started to do this with people that I'm mentoring. I will say, like, tell me how you're dealing with your, your suppliers and how are your relationships. And they're just like, oh, they don't get things done on time. And I have to put, I'm like, can you share some of your email communications with them? And I will take a look through their email communications and I'm like, dude, you're a jerk. Have you ever picked up the phone and just called them? And like, well, no, I, I, I don't know how to use a phone. It's like, no one knows how to use a phone. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it just changes the narrative. That happens on the startup side a lot when you're so stressed with everything that's going around you. You forget that you're in the business of people as well, because it, it takes a village to raise that. And I know that they have Mm -hmm. stress from all their financers and they have to prove this and they have to prove that and they have to bet their vendors really quickly. And, but all of that doesn't have anything to do with my world because, you know, the Mm -hmm. agency's world. So you have to understand that they will understand your urgency and they will try to do it within the means. But if they're not doing it, you have to kind of chill out a little bit and trust the process because maybe they can, but maybe they reduce their rate. So that you could come on, you know, and that's what my friend did reduce the rate. They came on and they still wanted everything yesterday. And it's like, whoa. Mm. So yeah, I think the tip here in this segment, just the tip is if you are the agency in that, if you are the person that is on the receiving end of that, pick up the phone and call them. That would be my number one tip. If you're the person that is being slightly unreasonable, but don't feel like they are, maybe you should do the same or get someone that is not a yes person around you to listen to that story
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because I find that a lot with people that are misguided their team is misguiding them so they become this is the best idea since sliced bread I don't know why everyone's not falling over trying to do this for me and it's like whoa who said that? My mom you know what I mean? It's like (laughs) obviously mom's going to support you Mm -hmm. so that's just the tip with uh, April and Chris (laughs) I love it. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Hype
0: Busters. (laughs) Have questions about the news, companies, and conversations from the show this week? You'll find our contact details in the show notes below.
1: Our DMs are always open for news companies and suggestions you want to hear about. Next. Flip into them. And if you're a startup founder looking for a chance in the hot seat, we want to hear from you. Yes. All right, so see y'all next time for more Real Talk on Strategic Communications with me, Chris, and her, April.
0: April! (laughs) Why are you laughing at me?
1: I'm good, sorry.